Good morning and welcome to our first series. It's going to be Togetherness with God and we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 through 23. Again, that's Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 through 23. Every person including you and me are born with a tendency to sin, to do what they know is wrong, and as a result we have all become separated from God. Just as Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden and from God's presence for their disobedience, all of humanity suffers alienation from God, other humans, and even creation. Each life apart from God will lead to a spiritual death unless we are reconciled to God. Reconciliation is simply the process of righting a hostile relationship and making it right. It was once said that Arthur Conan Doyle, the genius creator of the Sherlock Holmes mysteries, once found great humor in a practical joke he played on his 12 best friends. Each of these men chosen were virtuous and highly respected, but for the joke, Doyle set out each one of them the same telegram, and it said this, Fly at once, all is discovered. Within 24 hours, a dozen men of noble reputation had taken out of the country of England. And this is the reality, that no matter how noble our reputation is, we have all done things which we are ashamed of and no one knows. The only lasting solution to a guilty conscience is the forgiveness from God himself. Many individuals, if they are honest, feel alone. I know I have definitely felt like that at times. Some are overwhelmed by the abandonment they have faced in life. People die, divorce, or move away. Friends betray one another, tragedy strikes, grieving begins, and unfortunately losses can become the normal. From whatever grief you have known, rest assured that you will have more grief soon enough, which is really terrible. But the good news is that a loss of a relationship with God doesn't mean it has to last forever. The separation you may now feel can be overcome through faith in the reconciling power of God through Christ. If you will, turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23, and we're going to be looking at it from the NASB. The first thing we're going to do is read it just as it's written. The second thing we're going to do is look at it and pull out some certain words back to the original context. And lastly, we're going to look at one that I rewrote uh, using the concepts, and hopefully it makes sense. So Colossians 19 says this, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. This is what it says with some of the words taken back in the original language. For it was the Father's good pleasure. If we take out and separate that word good pleasure, good pleasure actually is zavith, or cornerstone, meaning it's the main structure, the main idea of everything that's going to happen in this verse. That it was because the Father had good pleasure that the fullness, which is moleth, is his offspring or his family are made to dwell in his presence. And that word dwell, hared, is to be honor, honorable, or fearful in him. And I don't know about you, but I find that interesting because it means that we are literally supposed to sit and be fearful in his presence. And this is what it looks at to maybe rewrite it in a way that maybe all of us can understand. For it was the Father's main idea for all those in his family to be fearful in him because he is holy and we are not. 
this verse refers back to Judges chapter 7, verse 3, and Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2. Do you remember the story of Gideon? God asked Gideon to limit the number of warriors by telling those who were afraid or trembling to return to the camp at Gilead. God honors and looks upon those who are right in spirit and tremble at his word. Those who tremble at God's words are also counted as obedient. So this helps with, with the concept of sin. God is holy. We are not. And because of this, Christ's sacrifice is our only way back to God. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile or to make peace all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, when we look at the phrase hostile in mind, three things really come to mind in the original context. One, it includes our feelings. It includes our affections, which are the things that we love. And lastly, it's our mode of thinking. And so how many of us have felt alienated from God because our feelings, the things we love, or our mode of thinking don't equate to kingdom values? It's kind of something to think about today. And then we get to verse 22. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy. Holy can also be said it means pure, clean, or worthy of respect. That last thing, worthy of respect, is kind of interesting, right? Uh, many of us might view Christ uh, coming into our life and changing our heart, our lifestyle, our attitude. Um, maybe as purifying it or even making it clean, but often I think if we're, we're honest with ourselves, many of us don't find ourselves worthy of respect, and Christ wants to do that for us as well. He also wants to present us blameless and beyond reproach. Verse 23, If indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was proclaimed under all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister... Every one of us knows what it's like to be out of the loop of something. We know what it is to be alienated from a group, to be kept in the dark, or to be the only one who doesn't know the big secret. Spiritually speaking, we don't have to be left out of the conversation. Apart from the knowledge of God, we can know God personally. Our broken relationship with Him can be restored no matter what has happened in our life, no matter what addiction, no matter what mindset, no matter what screw-ups or habits. Uh, no matter what sin enters the picture, it can always be restored. It's never too late or too far beyond God in his hand. Um, whenever I think about being excluded from a group, uh, I was a, a band geek in high school. Um, and so naturally, I was alienated from maybe sports teams, in particular basketball. I graduated uh, with a class of 57 people, and I was fourth-string basketball, which, let me tell you, that's pretty bad. But the reality is this, that uh, because I possessed a certain set of skills for band and not basketball, um, it definitely made me feel like I, I needed to do more in order to be on the basketball team. I needed to work harder. I needed to do more. I needed to act a certain way or wear a certain kind of shoes. Uh, or maybe present a certain kind of jersey uh, or finesse about me. But the interesting thing is with God, sometimes we do that too. 
um, that we think we have to earn his good favor or be really, really good through behavior modification or neglect ourselves um, maybe in ministry uh, in order to feel righteous about that, uh, in order to somehow gain his favor. The reality is that we don't have to. Um, the incredible thing about God is he just wants us to come home um, to journey again together, to start over, um, to begin again. And so many times we have this idea about God that it's kind of reward versus punishment. And that if I somehow I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, that he's going to punish me. Uh, kind of like the big man in the sky mentality of that he's so so far above me that maybe my works will pay off to where I can eventually get to where he's at. And the reality is this is not a a good way of looking at God because all of us know what it's like to be apart from God because at one point we have all been apart. In these verses, Paul reminds us in the church at Colossae that they were among those left out of God's family before Jesus came along and changed our story, uh, before Jesus moved into our neighborhood, before Jesus died for us, um, before Jesus took my sins upon himself and took my place. Uh, because among other truths, Paul is testifying about the fact that because of Christ's personal and physical sacrifice on the cross, we have the opportunity to live pure lives that God desires for us as his original intention for us. All this is true despite the fact that prior to accepting the grace of God, each one of us was considered an enemy of God before we accepted Christ. And those are strong words, but true words. Christ is the proof and demonstration of God's love, and that comes directly out of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. His purpose in coming to earth was to bring us all back with him, back into a right relationship. His love and sacrifice made it possible for each one of us to know God personally. We don't have to live apart from him. His hope is that we will recognize Christ for who he is and respond to his invitation to return to right standing in God's eyes. Paul's reminder through the Galatians is our reminder today that God loves us enough to make peace with us so that we can live a pure life with him. The sin that maybe rules our lives now before we accept the grace alienates us from God. Christ's shed blood on the cross eliminates the alienation and restores us back to him. And finally, Paul's parenthetical challenge to the Colossians and to us is that we continue in our faith, established and grounded in the hope of God's good news. As long as we believe in Christ, our relationship with God will continue, and we will live more and more the pure lives that please God. It's said like this in a few other places in the Bible. Joel 2, 12-13 says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, and with fasting and weeping and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and he's compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting in evil. That's definitely a great reminder for us today that it doesn't matter what we've done. When we return to God, he's not looking to throw up our wrongs in our face or remind us of all the times we've messed up in the past because he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. So what are we waiting on, maybe is the question. James 4, 7 through 8 says it like this, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is something we really have to watch, that sometimes our sin can make us double-minded, that we desire the things of God and yet desire the things of the world, uh, or that I desire to get closer to him, but I also desire to covet something that's not mine, or that I desire to give my church more time through service, but yet I can't do that because of other priorities in my life. Um, that's the example of someone who's double-minded. Um, the reality is that when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. And just like prayer, so many times we pray a prayer wanting to change God's mind, but in the reality, in the prayer, He ends up changing our mind. And so as we draw near to Him and He draws near to us, we often change. And so I ask you to ask yourself these following questions today in relation to Colossians chapter 1, Joel chapter 2, and James chapter 4. What do these verses tell you about God? And what do they tell you about people? What do these verses tell you about the effects of sin and maybe what is sin? What promises does God make in these verses? And lastly, is separation from God God's plan? I'll leave you with this thought from John chapter 17, verses 24 through 26. And this is coming from the message paraphrase. And it says this, Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am, so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there ever was a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them. Who are you, and what do you do? And continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them, exactly as I am in them. So may you be blessed by the words of this today. May you ask yourself those questions. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to our first podcast on togetherness with God.